0: We are on daf Kuf Aleph, and we're continuing this conversation that we started yesterday, right, so 101A, continuing the conversation, just I'll speak it out outside what we did yesterday a little bit, the end of what we did, and that was this machlekes between Rav and Shmuel, the was an interesting case, when somebody makes Kiddush in Shul, right, so Amik Bracha does not make Kiddush in Shul, most Shuls today do not actually do this anymore, but in the old days, when the itinerant people who would be traveling from city to city and trying to make a little bit of a living, perhaps by begging for money during the week, they would end up sleeping in like the ante rooms of the show. That's basically where they end up no, sleeping. I, the- I thought you meant pre COVID when people were still <laughs> traveling. From- <laughs> <laughs> that kind of, uh, the itinerant homeless people, before they started I- camping in embankments on the side of the highway, so yeah. what they would do is they would travel from city to city and they would try to raise a little bit of money. And they would end up sleeping in the shul. They would go to shul. They would daven there. And then they would wait for someone to invite them home after the meal. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. But they would sleep in like the anteroom or they would sleep on the bench in in shul, right? Now, what happens like this, those individuals who were doing that, they did not have a place. They did not have a place where they were going to go home and eat their meal. They'd eat their meal in shul. So the custom was that they would make kiddish after davening for those individuals. Now, the Gemara tells us yesterday if someone makes Kedish and Shul, or if someone is listening to Kiddush and Shul, and drinks from that wine, then they go home to make, to, to start their actual meal. There is a machlaikas between Rav and Shmuel. Have they fulfilled the mitzvah of making the bracha on wine, and they can now drink wine when they get home without making an additional blessing, right? That's one question. And the second question is have they fulfilled the mitzvah the obligation of being Mekadesh the day, of sanctifying the day through saying, you know, blessed are you, Hashem, who has sanctified this day and who created the world. Right? You know, that bracha, which is a mitzvah de arisa on Friday night, right? Every other kiddush, by the way, is not a mitzvah de arisa. And yomtiv, it is not a mitzvah de arisa. Shabbos day, it is not a mitzvah de arisa. However, Friday night, it is a mitzvah de arisa. Mitzvah de arisa says, zachar es yom shabbos de You shall remember the day of Shabbos. to make it holy. we pass asking that that's teaching us that you need to make kiddush, right? When Shabbos comes in, Okay. So Kiddush, we happen to also say we learned the Gemara and Brachas that when you are making Kiddush and you are sanctifying the day, you should have a cup of wine in your hand. Whenever we do a holy thing, not whenever, but oftentimes when we're doing a holy, a holy uh, deed, a holy act, oftentimes we will have a cup of wine in our hands to help um, to help focus our thoughts. Perhaps you know the the. Um, the the Chinuch discusses why it is that we should have a cup of wine in our hands, because that helps put us in the right mindset if if it's a more joyful mood. Therefore, we have a cup of wine in our hands as we are engaging in sanctifying this world, right? So now, so there's two separate things that are happening. You're making a bracha on the wine, and you're also being the Kaddish today, sanctifying the day. So what happens is like this. When you make that Kiddush in, in Shul, everybody agrees that the Kiddush that you made in Shul, you have not satisfied your obligation of making another Hagafen so in other words when you get home if you want to drink more wine you're going to have to make a new Hagafen when you get home the question is have you satisfied the obligation of making Kiddush so that's between Rav and Shmuel so according to Rav you have satisfied the obligation of making Kiddush already according to Shmuel you have not so the question is according to Rav if you satisfy the obligation of making Kiddush then why do people make Kiddush when they come home again the answer the Gemara said yesterday is so that they can help the members of their household and their children and wife satisfy their obligation of listening to Kiddush, and therefore they do that. Now, in theory, one could ask a question. This is an interesting point. I can only help someone else fulfill their obligation of doing a mitzvah when I have the same level obligation, when I still have a mitzvah der And so if I have a mitzvah der Risa and they have a mitzvah der I can make it for them. If I have a mitzvah der and they have a mitzvah der I can't do that for them. Right, If I have an obligation to bench, for example, but I only ate a small amount of bread and I'm not really satisfied, right? But I still have a mitzvah de Rabbanah on the bench, mitzvah de Rice at the bench would have to be a larger amount of bread where you're feeling very satiated. So if I ate a small amount and Gershon ate a larger amount, I cannot bench out loud and have him listen to me and be yotze fulfill his obligation to listening to me because I only have a rabbinic obligation of benching. Right. So too when it comes to Kiddush. If I have already fulfilled my obligation of making Kiddush and Shul, I cannot help someone else fulfill their obligation when I get home because I already fulfilled my obligation. However, when you talk about wife and children, it's not so clear that they have a mitzvah de of making Kiddush. That might help matters. The other way to help matters is that if they actually have already said good Shabbos, that itself could be enough of a way of sanctifying the day by saying good Shabbos. In other words, the mitzvah is to sanctify the day through words. It doesn't say that you have to do it through saying the Kiddush. That, the Chachamim, decided exactly how we should fulfill the mitzvah de aris. So that's just an interesting aside, okay? So the question was, how, why, according to Rabbi, do you have to make Kiddush? Again, the answer is to help his wife and children fulfill their obligation. Then we said, according to Shmuel, who says that you haven't done anything, you haven't made the bracha properly in terms of the hagafen, right? You're not allowing yourself to drink wine when you get home, and you have not satisfied the obligation of making Kiddush. Why do they make Kiddush at all in Shul? What's the point? The answer was to help their, the people who were staying and traveling from place to place, that will help them fulfill their obligations because they are going to eat and drink and sleep in Seoul that night. And therefore, this is their obligation of hearing Kiddush for Shabbos. Now, we're going to continue. Now, we are on <coughs> the fifth line of the page, fourth word on the line. And Shmuel is going according to his reasoning. Shmuel says that they have they have not fulfilled the mitzvah of making Kiddush and Shul either. So then why do they make Kiddush? And the question is, why does Shmuel hold that they haven't fulfilled the mitzvah of making Kiddush and Shul when they, they said the words? Why have they fulfilled the obligation? Shmuel says, This is a very important halacha, very much relevant to us. We, as we think about this all the time. Kiddush, when you make the Kiddush, it has to be in the place where you're eating your meal, right? It's very big ramifications, right? So if you go to like a Kiddush and Shul, And you listen to someone make Kiddush. And then you don't, you have like, say, two shots of whiskey, but you're on a, I guess if you're on a carbs diet, you probably wouldn't have that much whiskey either. But you eat food that is not considered being koveya su'uda. It's not considered like you actually have sit sit down and had a meal. The halacha is that when you make the Kiddush, and this is what Shmuel's opinion is, and this is the halacha, you have to make the Kiddush in the place where you're going to eat your meal. How do you define meal? It's a big question. According to some, it is only when you make hamotzi, anything less than washing, you have not considered to be defined as a meal, right, as we discussed last night. According to others, mizonos also satisfies and also will help. According to another opinion, even just making, just drinking a grape juice, a revius worth of grape juice, a revius worth of wine, that also satisfies called a su'uda. And drinking a revius, a couple of ounces worth of whiskey, that does not satisfy according to any opinion. So it's important to recognize this. You are only permitted to eat food after davening Shabbos morning once you hear Kiddush. However, according to most, uh, you can only hear Kiddush and allow yourself to eat food if you're going to be eating what is called a su'udah. As I said, it's a little bit complicated how you define it. Okay, important thing to know. It's actually practical. It comes up every Shabbos. Now, Shmuel holds that way. And therefore, Shmuel says, the Kiddush that you did not show is not where you're eating a your meal. So that Kiddush is worthless as far as we're concerned in terms of Fulfilling your obligation to make a Kedush. We've thought to say that this means to say if you make kiddush in one house and you go to another house, then that's not considered that you actually are eating your meal where you make Kedush. However, let's say you go from one room to another in one house. Then that's not, that's okay. There were too many times I was in front of Shmuel. I have a Shmuel. And he went from the upstairs down to the bottom floor of the house, the mekadesh, and then he would make kiddush. Okay. So what he's trying to say is like this: what He's trying to say is that even from one ha- in, within one house, from one room to the other, is considered like going from a shinoi and it's changing the place where you were when you made kiddush and where you ate your meal, and that's not the obligation. Or you have not been satisfied of eating your meal in the place where you made kiddush. Now. Very interesting point over here, Ramosha Feinstein has a tremendous chiddush over here. right? And he says it like this, he says, if you read this Gemara and, and in the art school, you're not going to see this chiddush because the art school translates it differently. I believe what's told us today, when he came to he gave his Daph um, here, he said over this Ramosha Feinstein and people were like, one second, it's not an art school translates it, but Ramosha Feinstein translates it differently. And certainly Ramosha Feinstein is someone you can rely on. Ramoshah Feinstein says, the implication of this, of this story is that Shmuel was on the roof, he made Kiddush. He then came back down to the ground and he made Kiddush again. Moshe says, I don't understand. How could he make Kiddush on the roof if he was going to be going down and making Kiddush again? What did the Kiddush on the roof, what was the point of making Kiddush on the roof? Right? What's the point of that? They haven't done anything if it's not in the place where you're supposed to be eating. And this is not like a one-time occurrence. Right? Rabbi Tachlifa is saying, Rabbi Nanbar Tachlifa is saying, this happened often. Right? So clearly this was an ideal and intentional circumstance." So what's going on over here? So Moshe Feinstein says an incredible idea. He says There's two different obligations on Shabbos. One obligation is to make a Kiddush in the place where you eat your meal. There is a separate obligation that before you eat food after davening, you have to make Kiddush. That obligation of making Kiddush before you eat food, there's no halacha that it has to be in the place where you eat. So even though Shmuel is sitting on the rooftop, he makes Kiddush, maybe he just drinks some water. That was not a brachilabatala. That was not an unnecessary a blessing that is has taken Hashem's name in vain, because it was helping him to eat food. He then came back down. And he has to make Kiddush again because he hasn't yet fulfilled the other obligation to make Kiddush. This is a tremendous Kiddush of Moshe Feinstein coming from this Gemara right here. Ideally, you should not rely on this, but under certain circumstances, it is something that one can rely on if necessary. But like I said, ideally one should always be careful to eat a mazainus, right? A kazayas so with mazainus, which is you know, a golf, not a large amount of food, if they've heard Kiddush. Or to, um, to have at the very least uh, a reveal, a couple of ounces worth of wine after hearing kiddish. The opera Huna Sabra, Ain't Kiddish and Ravuna, a later Amora, also says that Kiddish can only be in a place where the meal is eaten. The Ravuna Kadesh, Ravuna one time made Kiddish, and then his his uh, his um, his candle went out. lay money, and what he does is he takes the, his fork and his knife, probably I mean, fork and knife, I don't know if they had those, but uh, he takes his plate, his bowl, and he takes his food, the bay. Ganana, the Rabbah Bure, and he takes his food into the room of Rabbah, his son, to have a shraga, because over there, there was a lamp. Big Kaddish, and then he made kiddish again. They taught him Midi, and then he ate something. So once he had to move from one room to the other, he held, I need to make kiddish again. And the first Kaddish is not satisfactory to fulfill my obligation. Allah alba makam so we see he holds, that to satisfy the obligation of making kiddish on Shabbos over a cup of wine, midrabanan it has to be in a place where a meal is being eaten, right? So to be clear, we don't mean to say that on a Torah level, there is no, you have not satisfied the mitzvah of saying Kiddush on Shabbos, of making the day holy, unless you actually eat a meal right after you make Kiddush. On a Torah level, that's not true. On a Torah level, I, like I said, just saying the words good Shabbos might already be a satisfactory to fulfill your obligation of being mekadesh the day, of sanctifying the day, by recognizing verbally that today is, is the Saturday and today is Shabbos, is the holy day. That might be enough on a Torah level. What we're dealing with is the way that the Chacham and Mormons the way they enacted that we should make Kiddush through the holding a cup of wine and making Kiddush. That way they said it should be done with a meal immediately substitute. And even Rabbah held and Kiddush also held that Kiddush can only be done in the place where you're eating your meal. When I was in the, in the house of Mar, the master, a learned learnt by Rabbah and Abaya learned learnt by Rev right? First learned by Rev Yasef and afterwards by Rabbah were two well, the they famously argued quite often right now when i was in the house of mar of rabba he having a when he would make kiddish amalan he would say to me umidi, go eat something Dilma, because maybe when by the time you get to the place where you're going to eat your meal your the candles will go out and they won't be able to make kiddish in a place where you're going to be eating and then you would not have satisfied your obligation with the Kiddush that was made here because you didn't eat over here. So therefore, if you hear Kiddush, immediately eat something here, even though you're not planning on eating the main meal here, eat something, and then you'll have satisfied your obligation making Kiddush. Ideally, you should make Kiddush again when you get to the next task. But in case you don't, then you're at least you satisfied your obligation. The Kiddush can only be done in the place where you are eating. So by the way, what I personally do, and this is what my father does also, I, <laughs> I try to actually be careful the Vilna, Gayan. the Vilna Gayan holds that you, you talk about a meal, it has to be actually making hamaiti. If you don't make hamaiti, you don't eat bread, it's not considered to be a meal. The Chazal we're talking about, the type of significant meal. However, sometimes, especially in Neimah Bracha, you find yourself at a Kiddush, and you're at the Kiddush for a couple of minutes, and Earl is sitting there, and he really wants you to taste some of his delicious lemon, uh, lemon liqueur, and, uh, and what are you going to do? You're not, you can't wash on bread right there. So I rely on Rav Moshe Feinstein that I make one Kiddush in chol even if I'm not going to eat bread, but then I always make Kiddush again at home when I eat the bread. And that way I've satisfied the obligation of having Kiddush in a place where it's a significant meal, i.e. where it's bread, but I've still allowed myself to eat beforehand. Some people are really careful. My Rosh Hashiva never eats, never makes Kiddush unless he actually has bread right there. And that makes your life a little more difficult than I'm willing to bear. but not, not if somebody wants to do that, that's a bit awesome. The says, Ainy, is it so that Rabbah actually held like um, like Shmuel that Kiddush is only in the place where you're where you eating? The Amar Abayah. but Abayah says, avik Rab. Everything that Rabbah would pass in, he always held like Rab. He always followed the opinion of Rab when there was Mahligas between Rab and Shmuel. The bar mehani class, except for a specific three things, the Avik the Shmuel that he went like Shmuel. Now. What are these three things? my Matiran me at the bagged. You could cut tits off from one bag, the tits strings and put them onto another uh, baget, another garment. la and when it comes to Hanukkah you light from one candle to the other. And Allah follows the opinion of Rab Shimon when it comes to greira. Grayera is when you drag a bench, not with the intention of making a um a furrow in the ground. You end up making a kharitz, you end up making a furrow or a ditch in the ground. And R Shimon says, that it is since it is a davers moschav and it is mother since that was not your intention it is permitted so these three things he follows the opinion of shmuel the tanya is going to enterprise shimnai megira adam mitakista vasas a person to drag a a bed a a seat a sofa or a couch on chabas without actually excavating it as long as you do not have intention to create a ditch the homras the answers like this it says that he does not hold like rab except for it does not hold like um like shmuel for these three, the only things that he holds like Shmuel as opposed to Rab is these three halachas, right? But in general, he does not hold like Shmuel. But one second, why would he hold like Shmuel that you can't make Kiddush unless you're in the place of eating? This should be included in the list also. Yomar says like this, Rab havi In general, Rabba always followed the stringent opinion of Rab. And when we talk about the fact that there are three places where he deviated, what it meant is the three places where Rab was stringent and still he followed Shmuel who was lenient. Rab However, there are many places where Rab was more lenient and of first, he followed not of first, but he certainly that's not part of our conversation. Over there certainly he did follow Shmuel in many places, and it's not part of our listing. This is one of those places he followed Shmuel's stringency where Rab was being lenient. rab and Amar says, Aki <speaking> Yatsu." <in Hebrew> says, <speaking in> Reb <Hebrew> now is the third opinion, right? Rab and Shmuel are the first two Tanayim. Rabbichan and Mishlakish are in the second. I'm sorry, Amarayim. <speaking in Hebrew> and Rabbichan <speaking in Hebrew> and Mishlakish <speaking in Hebrew> are the second generation Amarayim. <speaking in Hebrew> um, and Rabbi Yechanan sometimes could argue on Rav and Shmuel. And Rabbi Yechanan says, I disagree with both of them. And I actually think not only have they satisfied their obligation to make the Kiddush, right? That we don't need to have Kiddush from he does not agree to Shmuel. He even argues on Rav and says that they've also satisfied their obligation of making the Bracha on wine. Rabbi going according to his reasoning both changing the place where you had started your meal and both changing the wine that you are drinking, you don't need to make a new bracha on it. The Gemara asks a question on Rabbi Echanan. It says in a brisa, right, a tana, that is changing of the place, you need to make a new bracha. Changing of the wine, you don't need to make a new bracha. This is a clear upslug, a clear refutation of Rabbi of, of, um, Echanan's point, right? Indeed, it refutes him because it is a tana, and he's not saying like him. tana is clearly saying that shine makim is a real thing, okay? Yasub of Idni bar oven, kameidar of Chizda, right? Just to make sure that everybody got what I'm saying. So, shine makim means that when you make a bracha in one place and then you go to another place, that bracha does not cover you for the new location, right? We'll see that sometimes it might, depending on what the situation is. But for now, what we're saying is it seems like shine makim is a uh, invalidation, you need to make a new blessing sitting in front of speaking out the the Right. That which you said, that if you change your place, you're going to need to make a new blessing. That's only true when you're going from one house to another. But if you're going from one place to another, room to another in the in the same house, you don't need to make a new blessing, even though you change places. Right. So the definition of changing places is not one room to another, it's changing places from one house to another. This is how it was taught in the Brisa in the, in the yeshiva of Rev Hinnik. Some say in the yeshiva was taught like you. One second. Then Ravuna was coming to teach the Brisa. In other words, he, he's basically quoting, Oh, Ravuna, you are myra. Beautiful. You said that we could differentiate between going from one house to another. One house to another is problematic. Right and the blessing doesn't cover, doesn't follow for, doesn't cover you for the next house you go to. But from one room to another, it does cover. Oh, Grace great chiddush! You're telling us big chiddush! You're telling us this is actually a brisa. Tanaim already said this previously. Ravuna must Ravuna did not know what uh, what was taught in this brisa, right? Because he hadn't heard of this brisa, right? Now, this is actually something that the Gemara does not often ask, or maybe, I uh, don't think I often asks. And the reason why is because oftentimes the Gemara will say that Amoraim are immi- imminently, I'm sorry, intimately familiar with every single Mishnah. However, they are not necessarily familiar with every single Brisa, right? It wasn't collated in the same way and didn't necessarily know every Brisa. So yeah, Rafuna indeed might say something, even though he's an Amora, that was already taught in a Brisa because he wasn't familiar with that Brisa. It's not even a question, okay? B'su Yosef, and furthermore, Yosef of the Nafshei, was sitting. He says in his own name, That which you said, that when you change from one place to the other, you need to make a new blessing. and We only say this when you don't need to make a bracha after the after blessing in the place where it was eaten. Okay, so here's a very good, a very good, uh, important principle. Okay. So let's say you're eating, you're drinking water in your house, right? You drink water, you make a shahakal. What do you make after? You make a bayre nafashas, assuming that you drink it in a, you know, one gulp and within two minutes, right? Now, you then leave your house and you're then walking and you realize that you did not make a bayre fashas, which you should have in your house. Are you obligated to go back home? The answer is no. You're allowed to make a bayre nafashas right where you are, okay? So if it's something for which you would not be obligated to go back to the place where you drank or ate, make the a nefashist or whatever the after blessing might be, whether it's in a and alamichia or benching. Something like that, then you, then you do not need, then, sorry, then you're going to need to make a new blessing if you're going to eat the same food in a different place. Okay, So if you're going to drink water in a new place, you're going to need to make a new blessing. But the object for which you're going to need to make the after blessing in the place in which you actually ate the item, Then you do not have to make a new bracha if you change place so the entire halacha is basically qualifying the entire halacha that which we say that you have to make a new blessing in the new place that you've gone to that's only true when you're would have to go back home for the original after blessing that you ate okay so. What's the svara exactly? What's the logic behind this? So the logic basically is, is your original leaving of a house when you're eating a significant kind of food that requires a more significant after blessing? When you leave the house, does that then define it as the original meal is completely finished? No, because if it did, you'd be able to make the after blessing wherever you are. The fact that you're going to have to go back says that the meal is not really finished. So if the meal is not really finished, then you're even able to eat in the next place. Maitayama, okay? likviya kama padr. Because you're going to have to go back to the original place. Rav Shesha says whether it's this, whether it's that, you're going to need to make a new blessing. Whether it's the type for which you have to go back to make an after blessing, the type you don't have to go back, just make a new blessing in the place together. You have a group of people. They're sitting down to drink together. the Kras and then they get up to go the 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 groom, right? Or to greet the bride. When they go out of where they were, they are not going to need to make a bracha after, for the after-blessing. When they go back, they don't need to make another bracha from the beginning to continue eating the meal that they're eating. When they left behind, they in or a khayla, an elderly person or a sick person. This does not mean that you're only exempt from making a new blessing when you left behind the elderly person or sick person it happens to be teaching you that if you're getting up to go greet a chasen or a kala a groom or a bride you all should go together to greet them but if you leave behind any of the members for whatever other reason let's say you have 10 people sitting together eating a meal and nine of them realize oh we didn't have a they jump up and they go to have a the one person who have my already still sitting at the table the fact that one is still sitting at the table that is mom the meal it causes the meal to continue even when they're absent and they come back and continue They did not leave anybody behind at all at the table. When they leave, they're going to have to make a bracha after blessing. When they come back, they're going to have to make the blessing before eating. From the fact that it says that they got up to go, clearly, we're dealing with a situation where typically it's going to need to make the after blessing in the place where you ate the food. And still, the only reason why you don't need to make a new bracha is only because they left an elderly person or a sick person there. And therefore, when they leave, they don't need to make an after-blessing. They don't make a blessing before eating. But if they would not have left behind an elderly person or a sick person, Let me speak out what the Gemara is saying. We said before that, according to Rav Chizda, if you were eating the kind of food for which when you find yourself in a new location, you forgot you're in the middle of eating, you went to another new location, you have to go back to make your after blessing. If that is the situation, then when you come to a new place, you don't have to make a new blessing. You're allowed to continue eating where you are. Okay? So now what we're saying is like this. In this scenario, we have a members of a group, they're eating together. If they get up and it's the kind of food for which they had to make an after blessing, right, in the place where they ate, and that's clear from the story. And yet still the halakh is that when they come back, as long as they left people there, they don't have to, they they would have, if they, sorry, if they had not left people there, they would have to have made a new blessing ab initio, the initial blessing all over again. That teaches us that there's no differentiation at all. And whether it's the type of food for which the after blessing has to be in the place where you ate, or the type of food for which the after blessing does not have to be in the place where you ate, either way, you're going to have to make a new blessing when you go to a new place. Says, chizda. This is difficult because of Chizidah qualified and said that that's only true where you don't have to make a new blessing, in the, where you do not have to make your after blessing where you were and you can make it even in the new place. Amr of Nachman, says, Man, tana akiris, Who taught this Braisa of Akiris that when you leave the place, you have to leave someone behind or else you can't, you have to make new blessings when you go back. Rabbi Huda, this is Rabbi Huda. It tanya, because we learned in Shayim they have friends who are sitting and eating together. And they get up to go oil to heaven, or to go learn. When they leave the place where they're eating, they don't have to make an after-blessing. When they come back, they don't have to make an initial blessing. Rabbi Huda was a etana, and he held, unless you leave people behind, you always have to make a new blessing. You don't leave people behind. You have to make an after blessing back where you were when you get back there. When you get back, you have to make a new blessing all over again. So, but that's only Rav Yehuda, right? But other people, Taka argue, and Rav Christa was making a statement not according to Rav Yehuda, but according to the other Anayim. Okay. Um, take care, everyone. Be well. Have a good night.